Hello, and welcome to Marking Out with My Girlfriend. This is my girlfriend, Erin. This is my girlfriend, Kat. And sometimes we forget that there's not a crowd. So yeah, we are doing this episode on Monday, April the 6th, instead of our usual Friday night show. And we're not doing it over Twitch live stream either, so we don't have a crowd for this, which is... Just like WrestleMania. And kind of just as weird feeling right now, actually. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Like, there's no Aitsu feedback. I've gotten so used to to just seeing chat while we go. I know, right? It's it's a little disconcerting. <laughs> but we're just gonna have to sell even harder, I think. Yeah, we got a, a lot of trash talk. I'll I'll climb the WrestleMania sign. Yep. <laughs> just fucking elbow you through the announce table. Ooh, woo! But not like a Shane Max spot. No, no, it, it it actually looks good. Yeah, and there's no crash pad. <laughs> That's what I said. You can have a crash pad and still look good. Okay, fair. You can. Okay, you want to jump into this? Yeah, so let's talk. We're going to basically just talk about the matches we enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Figure that that's a good way to go about it, since we're not usually WWE viewers. Or a WWE podcast. Yep. <laughs> but it just feels right to do WrestleMania, because... It's WrestleMania, come on. Exactly. Hopefully next year we can figure out a way to cover, if we can find live streams of some of those indie shows, like a bunch of the indies that happened around Mania. Yeah, the whole week of WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. Definitely, I'd love to do that, actually. Depending on who like goes, and like you know, particularly of the indie guys and gals that we enjoy. Oh, I guess also our indie non-binary pals. Yep. Like... What is it? Still life of... Still life with apricots and pears. Thank you. Who I discovered watching Jakara's Saturday morning show on independentwrestling.tv. And, you know, I'm just going to jump into this. I'm going to explain this whole thing. I know that's what we came for, but I have to get it out there. No, no, I'm very glad to talk about this. So Okay, so I'm watching the show, and it's kind of like the same kind of feeling as the old WWE superstars mm -hmm. that used to play on Saturday mornings, where you'd get, like, just just the matches thrown out there. There'd be interviews, and they'd actually put some of the interviews during the match to get a feeling for the characters that are in there. So that was cool. But it's got the same kind of setup as the new NWA Power Show, where it's a very small, closed set. There's some bleachers. So there's some people watching, there's a ring, and there's nothing really fancy about it. So they get to the main event of that one, and they are introducing the Young Lions Cup champion for the year, who is still life with apricots and pears. I'm watching this, and they're going over them, and I notice right away they're using they, them pronouns. Mm -hmm. that, that kind of sticks out to me as important. So I'm watching this, and yeah, the at least the character. I don't know the person behind the mask, so I can't say on that. But the character of Still Life with Apricots and Pears is a non-binary wrestler. So to know that Chikara, being a very progressive um, uh, company, is throwing throwing themselves behind this person is like very heartwarming to me because the young lions cup is an annual tournament they do for wrestlers with i believe it's less than one year of in ring ring experience mm -hmm. like actually doing shows and stuff so yeah they're very inexperienced people and this is a big jumping off point for them it's been won previously by the likes of jigsaw of icarus both of whom are big Chikara staples 
Heidi Lovelace, who is Ruby Riot in WWE now. You know, it, it has a long list of, of very influential people that have won this. So to see non-binary repre- representation on this stage is just very good. <laughs> yes, no, I agree. Especially with, like, Chikara is one of those, like, organizations that gets talent who are, frankly, really fucking good. Yeah. So it's, it's like, good to see that level of representation. I also want to, like, take a moment to uh, shout out Jamie Senegal, who is possibly the most gender-ambiguous wrestler out there. <laughs> and therefore incredibly hot. And, like, they know. So, like, <laughs> just, that that's all. Kat, are, are your DMs currently open? Oh, my DMs are always open. Okay. Just making sure that uh, they know that. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> Fine, whatever. Uh, one last thing that I'd like to point on is that Chikara is traditionally a very family-friendly show as well. Mm-hmm. So like, you're influencing a younger generation of people through this. And again, that's just good to see. Agreed. Back to WrestleMania, now that we've had our nice little diversion with indies and queer wrestlers. Where would you like to start, Kat? So, to be honest, I'd like to start with what is technically the first match of the card that wasn't a kickoff match. With Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross taking on the Kabuki Warriors? Absolutely. I'm glad you said that, because I wanted to start there, too. (laughs) Because... I just was living for them having, like, the Kabuki Warriors just scream shit in Japanese as loud as humanly possible. (laughs) Asuka hitting the URAH every, like, half word. They really did set the tone for the rest of the matches after this. Mm. Like, regardless, it was pre-recorded, so it could be in any order then. But showing them off first and having it be so loud with so much ring talk what really set the tone of what to expect right because it did it really carried through both nights where everyone in the ring was just very vocal and very getting across uh not just in action but in words too no for sure and like the thing that i called it while we were watching it the kabuki warriors were controlling far too much of the match early on to actually win it (laughs) Yes, they, they were. They weren't going to do that many squash matches on WrestleMania. No. That's something else I noticed through matches, too, is a lot of the times the winner of it was taking quite a beating through their match. Mm-hmm. There are examples of that not so much happening, but for quite a few that I remember, that's kind of how it went. Yeah, no, and like this match kind of hit like a lot of what I was hoping a tag team championship would look like. Yes. Compared to the other one that we watched. Okay, yeah. Street Profits and NXT No Names. <laughs> Recently brought up Austin Theory and Angel Garza. Yeah, them. Angel Garza's been in there a while, I think. So, like, yeah, just, like, as a comparison, like, there's, and, like, Street Profits defending, it's like what their first or second title defense from what i understand i'm honestly not sure but yeah they only won them a little while ago i believe i I try to keep up on on the storylines and stuff through recaps i just don't watch it live (laughs) yeah Yeah, so like i i thought it was a very enjoyable start to the show yeah it was very energetic very hard-hitting i think they might have actually gone for two hot tags during it Mm mm-hmm yeah, no. Um, I think Nikki Cross got two hot tags through the match. Okay, which is good then because they did end up winning. <laughs> yes, and Alexa Bliss hit two twisted bliss, two twisted blisses, bliss eye. Bliss eye sounds like the good plural. Bliss ant. <laughs> I don't know. Twisted blisses. Yeah, no, it was a. It was a it's a good time. I think it got followed by a bit of a stinker. Yeah, but 
We don't need to go into that one. <laughs> no, because we can move on to Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler. Which I was pretty excited for, actually, in the lead up. Oh, yeah, no, this one was one of the... I think it was one of the matches I was most excited for on night one. Yeah, because I've watched Shayna Baszler since she started in the indies. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she got her start in NXT, you know, and being very dominant through there. Mm-hmm. So seeing her up on the main roster now, doing a WrestleMania match for the women's title is, it feels very right, is how I would put it. Right. It feels like a natural progression for her. Yeah. She, she made a lot of fast progression, and truly, she does deserve to be in that spot. Right. It's a natural progression for her as a performer, to one extent, but also just as someone with as much like innate talent as she has. Yes. I follow. Um, I am a big fan of Becky Lynch, because I wish I had her hair color. <laughs> God, I would look so hot with that color. I mean, I agree. I don't know if I could pull it off, but I feel like I would. Anyway, uh, that's a digression. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like it was, it was a really fun match. Like it wasn't as vocal. No, but but it was a lot harder hitting. Yes, you know, w- with Baszler doing some some really intense stuff, like throwing Becky headfirst into the commentary table by her legs. <laughs> yes, headfirst because Becky had her elbow out. Yeah. It took most of that with the side of her body, but head first. I'm going with the kayfabe explanation. <laughs> kayfabe. <laughs> Kfabe's dead, man. <laughs> kayfabe is dead. It's all about relationships now. We're talking <laughs> about relationship wrestling. Which we'll get to when we get to night two. I was going to make a polyamory joke, but then you just beat me to it. Um, so, yeah, no, this was like a really fun match to watch. Um, I like that they brought back. I'm going to dazzle Aaron with my knowledge here. I like that they brought back a classic finish. Like that was the um, it, oh God. I like I think it was WrestleMania 13. Bret Hart versus Roddy Piper goes for the sleeper mm-hmm. gets reversed into a pin. Mm-hmm. Yep. No. I gotcha, I gotcha. Did did I do good? You did very good. (laughs) (laughs) Just a small addendum, listeners. Kat confused her Roman numerals and was actually thinking of WrestleMania 8 with Bret Hart versus Roddy Piper, where the sleeper into pin finish happened. WrestleMania 13 was Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin in a submission match, which is also a great view, and I'm still really impressed by her. Now, with that said, I will admit, I personally am not a big fan of Shayna being beaten here. Okay. You know, that, that's just, that's that's me being a mark. <laughs> Excuse me, Aaron, but we are smarks. I Never say that word again. <laughs> Kat, I am very distinctly on the audience side of that curtain. I have no idea what the fuck is going on. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I'm sure Becky retaining here is the right choice, and I'm curious to see where it goes in the future. So I'll definitely be sure to follow that as it goes. Right, and like, I don't, I don't know, I feel like having Shayna lose here, it kind of does stall a bit of her momentum, you know? Yeah, but at the same time, she's been in the main roster for four months, six months maybe. It hasn't been too long. I mean, like, are we calling it the main roster still? Is NXT not just another WWE brand at this point? Okay, she's been on the Raw roster. They they definitely still treat NXT as, like, the lesser of the three brands. They do. Which is a shame. And something that should be really be looked at. Yeah. But, you know, we make the show for one man. <laughs> Anything else to say on Becky and Shayna? Not really. Okay. So it was it was good. I I like I liked it. Yeah, I enjoyed it very much. Yes. Okay. Our next match that I want to talk about, and you can do you want to talk about the next match you want to talk about, and I'll see if you skipped over the one I wanted to talk about. I don't think I'm going to skip over the one you want to talk about. Okay. 
So then let's just go for it. We have our champion a Marxist versus an eco-fascist. <laughs> the classic wrestling storyline. Yes, a very, very classic wrestling storyline. <laughs> so this was... This was... This was great. It was very silly. Now, yeah, I had to put away some of my reservations. Being used to... Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan from a different time. Mm -hmm. So I had to rewatch the match as the current storylines. Right. Because, like, I mean, fuck. Generico versus Bryan Danielson is a, like... It's a barn burner. It's a barn burner. It's a classic. <laughs> it's the hug it out match. But Sami Zayn versus Daniel Bryan is a much different psychology to it. And mm -hmm. honestly, they... I think they did it just as well. Oh, no, for sure. Like, it was well-performed. Like, no question about that. And, like, you know, every single one of the uh, ballets played their role as was needed. Yep. You know. Whether it was guarding Zane as he ran around the ring for the first couple <laughs> minutes. Or it was Drew Gulak taking out both Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. Or getting beaten down by them. You mean, wait, sorry, who do you mean? It's not Drew Gulak, it's all sack Drew Gulak. Right, right, it's all sack Drew Gulak. I shouldn't have shown you that list. <laughs> it's never gonna leave. Oh, speaking of that, it's okay, so um, this is, we probably should save this for the, I don't care, I'm not gonna save it for the <laughs> regular episode. Uh, Aaron showed me that Chuck Taylor list of wrestling names. Mm-hmm. And I started coming up with my own. <laughs> so we've got Big Money, Maxwell A. Mount. <laughs> he goes by Big Money, Max Amount. Yep. Uh, that's all I have so far, but I'm working on them. You'll have more for Friday, I'm sure. I'll definitely have more for Friday. <laughs> oh, wh where were we? <laughs> Uh, we were talking about the running around the match, uh, running around the ring, and like, you know, basically Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn doing like a cowardly character running around the ring, being protected by Cesaro and Nakamura. Daniel Bryanson leaping onto both of them to take him out of the match. And then eating a very impromptu, very beautiful Helluva kick. Yes, I. it was perfect. And I don't know why more people aren't talking about this match as an all-time great WrestleMania match. Because it was on the same show as some other amazing stuff. And, sorry, but Sami Zayn is just gonna always take the cake for me. A plus, seven-star match. Now, I will say that, as we said in the tag match earlier, uh, this kind of had the same kind of feeling where the losing competitor had the momentum through the match mm -hmm. and then just kind of lost it in the end. But like in this case, I don't know. Was this like a heel versus heel? I think Brian is a face now. Okay. So they got rid of the eco-fascist angle. <laughs> I think so. I'm not entirely sure. Cause I just see it that whenever I see Daniel Bryan anyway. Yeah, and like, for like, you know, you, you probably can't lean too heavy into the eco-fascist angle when, you know, I'm reasonably sure Sami Zayn is also vegan. So it's like, oh, you're not vegan. It's like, well, yeah, I am. Fuck you. I'm also a communist, so I'm better than you. <laughs> really, though, it's not often you, you get a match where both competitors are right. <laughs> uh, eco-fascists are a little shitty about it, though. And by a little shitty, I mean, like, Humanity is a curse. We should just let people die because, like, fuck off. We are the real virus. No, you shouldn't. It's capitalism that's the real virus. <laughs> anyway, moving swiftly onwards. I mean, like, it was... I... Out of the bit, I'm a little disappointed that they didn't actually get to wrestle. Yeah, I would have liked to see more of a match, but a character showcase can be just as good. I, I will take that went off for nothing else yes. <laughs> that's true okay did we want to talk about the ladder match i can touch on it real quick because yeah, i sure. i did enjoy it i know the sound 
of the ladders in an empty arena was extremely loud by comparison. There's yes. nothing to really dull it. But I like the idea of John Morrison, Jimmy Uso, and Kofi Kingston having a triple threat match for the tag titles because The Miz was injured on the SmackDown beforehand. Injured. Yeah, quote, quote, injured. But I did enjoy the match they put on. I really enjoyed the ending where they all had the belts. Mm -hmm. And then Morrison grabs the belts and falls. And uh, Jimmy and Kofi are left with just the the hanging bar. Mm -hmm. They looked very confused by what just happened. Yes, I I enjoyed that a lot. The one thing, like, and like, you know, I know you're going to talk about the things we liked, especially with the ability to use post-production, because I think this was the match where they censored a fuck. Did they? Was, I think it was this match. Someone said fuck. Oh, I must, I must have missed that part. I might be wrong. I'll trust Either you. Either way, um, like, I feel like with the ability to add post-production and stuff like that and like, just do stuff with the video that you have shot. You don't need the like classic WWE slow crawl up a ladder. It it's kind of iconic though. <laughs> it plays to a crowd. It doesn't play to an empty arena. True. But anyway, it was it was still I like it wasn't bad. No, and I've heard a lot of other places throw some high praise on this one, so I think those places can do more justice to it than I can. Yeah, and like I I'll note that the wrestling in that match was very good. Oh, yes. It's just the... It was the match that reminded me most of how empty the... Like, how empty it was. Because it was just clack, clack, clack from the ladders. Yes. That that extra element was very noticeable. Smack, smack, smack from the super kicks. <laughs> I mean, you gotta have super kicks in a ladder match. Okay, so uh, next match for night one. Kevin Owens taking on Seth Rollins. You don't want to talk about Mojo Raleigh and R-Truth and Gronk? No. Okay, good, because neither do I. (laughs) So Kevin Owens versus Seth the Monday Night Messiah Rollins. Seth Greasy Jeezy. (laughs) I will say, I was very much looking forward to this one. Same. And I was not disappointed. Nor was I. Now, that said, about halfway through the match, I was kind of disappointed because they had their normal WrestleMania wrestling match, which was Mm -hmm. a very good show. And then Seth Rollins grabs the ring bell, hits Owens, and demands to be disqualified (sighs) so he can get out of the match. Mm -hmm. Kevin Owens comes to and grabs the microphone and says, no, we're not doing that. Get back in here. We're doing a no DQ match now. You want this match, and you get you get to hear a little bit of the Quebec from yep. Kevin Owens. <laughs> That's my favorite thing is when Kevin Owens gets pissed. You just get that little bit of Quebec that comes through, and he's like, "You come back in this ring, and we're gonna fight this out." <laughs> Where am that referee? Im was trying to fuck on me. <laughs> That's Shout going out in. to literally every wrestler from Quebec. They. Do some crazy shit. Quebec puts out some really good wrestlers. <laughs> it really does. All right. So, no, like that, that, like you wanted your WrestleMania match. Let's fucking do this the right way. And yeah, th- this was a proper WrestleMania match they had oh, after God. that. It was so good. And like, if we want to talk about this, technically, Kevin Owens had the most wins in WrestleMania this weekend. <laughs> I mean, is two wins for one person the most WrestleMania wins ever for one WrestleMania? Potentially? I don't know. We'd have to look that up. But Kevin Owens technically won two distinct matches during WrestleMania. Yep. This weekend. Um, Now, let's just that real WrestleMania moment. Because there's always the that like one thing that WrestleMania does where it's like... Oh my god, this was this they would never do this any other time of year. Yeah. And that was Kevin Owens jumping off of the fucking sign through the announce table. Yeah, a- after the match restarted, he got his ass kicked a bit more, you know, 
chairs being on the outside and all that fights back and yeah he climbs to the top of the sign and jumps through it to give an elbow to rollins through the commentary table and like it was just a regular commentary table spot there was no crash pad or anything like that underneath that it's still kind of weird they had a commentary table out there but whatever the actual commentary team was at that table it wasn't just a random table oh i know but it's like it wasn't really needed i guess from my viewpoint no like it was a little odd that they had commentary out there in the arena with them but that pays off and that pays off really well tomorrow night yes (laughs) we'll get to that one so no that was that was absolutely my favorite single or i guess my favorite double match of wrestlemania (laughs) (laughs) now interesting note is that owens was tweeted by someone after the match asking if he still would have done that at like the actual tampa bay arena if the show had gone off normally and he showed that he he was in there and he took pictures of the place trying to figure out how he'd jump off that the sign and the tampa bay (laughs) arena that's that was going to be his wrestlemania moment this year come hell or high water yeah that's that's a very kevin owens thing to do yep so swiftly skipping over goldberg and braun Strowman, with a brief pause to say fuck you braun Strowman." ron why are indie wrestlers poor Strowman? braun stop being poor it's that easy i did it Strowman. yeah we try to stay positive sometimes you just gotta call bullshit bullshit okay yeah that's not even like a what's my beef we're not doing that this week we're just gonna talk about this frankly okay so um night two we have nxt women's championship rhea ripley versus charlotte flair which was a match i absolutely loved oh my god this was like like i i don't know like for me like in terms of like pure like match matches i it's like one and two like basically neck and neck with kevin owens and seth rollins okay yeah that's completely fair because this was a fucking match yeah they worked really tight and kind of stiff throughout this whole thing to really make up for the the lack of reaction going on yeah because you only then heard them hitting each other Mm -hmm. and yelling at each other and like it was it was genuinely really fun to watch because it was like you know like it felt so much like both of them were really fucking giving it their all which is not to say that the rest of the performers didn't this weekend no absolutely not but these two like they knew the kind of match they they really wanted to put out there Mm -hmm. and they went above and beyond that i think no i i agree it was just real like the 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 submissions the like it it just all it all hit really well i particularly liked in the beginning when uh flair was chopping ripley Mm -hmm. and it was like i've been the raw women's champion i've been the smackdown women's champion I'm coming for your belt. <laughs> it's just, yeah, that that extra emotion that they get that they got through by just being so vocal really shone through here. Right, it was a very talky match and a very mm-hmm. hard hitting match, which is like you know, like the latter match was very hard hitting but not as talky. Yeah, this like kind of hit exactly what you need from an empty arena match to be honest yeah and like charlotte working the leg and everything like that it was very like yeah because a few weeks ago she actually went in and attacked ripley's leg on an episode of nxt so she went right back onto that Mm -hmm. to help her through the match charlotte was really playing her dad this up this this match (laughs) like everything about it was just like picture perfect flair yeah if there's one thing a flair understands it's wrestlemania so you got exactly what you paid for yes and charlotte's ring gear was gorgeous yes but rhea ripley's was vegeta kinda 
it wasn't a full-blown cosplay attire but like it was pretty darn close it, it was definitely inspired by definitely yeah it was good it was it was good i still it hit what it needed to and it did so better and more i think it hit what all of the matches tried to hit and did so more effectively than most of the others yeah that that is definitely fair to say yeah no i i just great match did you want to go into Alistair Black versus Bobby Lashley? Uh, not more than just to say that I too predicted that it was going to end with a black mass. <laughs> That's usually how matches end. I was really happy to see Alistair Black up into a WrestleMania match. You know, they, they've been really trying to push him for the last bit. I say trying because I'm sure it's very trying to Alistair Black. But no, putting him into this match and giving the win here was a very big mark for him right and i i did appreciate lana coming out and serving like bougie queen realness good for her <laughs> but like fuck i mean like if we can call the match at the start of the match we might actually be smarks no no i don't think so <laughs> again don't say that word i'm gonna keep saying it because you told me not to <laughs> i'm it. the heel erin Oh, right, right. Speaking of heels. Yeah. Would you like to go into one of the best heels in professional wrestling? Sonya Deville? I mean, she definitely has potential to be. <laughs> I meant Dolph Ziggler against Otis. I, I, I know. Okay, I'm glad you know. I know, I, I know that's what you meant. Sonya Deville is ringside, Aaron. I, I don't, I don't think you're so much a heel as just a brat right now. <laughs> I mean, isn't that a kind of heel? I mean, probably. You probably try to be one of those cool heels and get cheered. Mm. <laughs> no, I don't want to get cheers. I want to get gasps. <gasps> so yeah, Otis versus Dolph Ziggler was definitely the match that had the most like emotional buildup. This was the big storytelling match. Right, because we got like... We got like a whole like video package and everything like that beforehand explaining the storyline thus far. Yeah, this one's been going back to like January. Mm -hmm. So I think this is the longest running storyline in WrestleMania right now, except maybe Edge and Orton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, this was like uh, you know, like I mean like Otis being Otis was fun. Dolph Ziggler being an asshole was exactly what you needed from him in this match because it was very, very cathartic to watch him lose. Yep. Especially in the way that he lost. Yes. So, and like, I just like genuinely, I, I kind of knew there was something that was going to happen because you don't have like, so, you know, with, with the spot being that it's Sonya Deville betrayed Mandy Rose to set up her with Ziggler for some reason. I to don't get her quite away from Otis more than anything. Yeah, I guess. Because she didn't get Otis or whatever. Yeah. Bad friendship sort of thing. No, like, having her out there meant she was going to interfere. There's no way that didn't happen because she and Mandy Rose are too crucial to the storyline. Mm-hmm. So, the low blow on Otis, followed by Mandy Rose's music hitting slapping Sonya, going for the low blow on Dolph Ziggler while the referee was distracted again. What are you doing out here? You're gonna ruin everything. Low blow. Oh, everything's ruined. <laughs> Otis hits the caterpillar for the three count. I yep. love Otis so much. Otis is so lovable. I know, right? <laughs> Man, it, it, this is where, like, it, it, this was the big like Hollywood romance ending kind of thing. Yeah. You know, Otis fights through everything. Him and Mandy Rose are finally together. They kiss. He tries to slip her some tongue. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was adorable. Um there's a tweet from one of the wrestlers I follow. Like my Twitter feed was literally like 90% wrestling yesterday. Oh yeah. Oh, Aspen the Mermaid tweets 
when am I going to get treated like how Otis treats Mandy, uh, though? Yeah. Which I which I quote tweeted, in search of a butch girl to treat me like Otis treats Mandy. <laughs> Win a match at WrestleMania and carry me to the back. That would be amazing. Becky Lynch, my DMs are open. <laughs> She's not even butch, but like, it's Becky Lynch. I'll, I'll take She's it. She's the man, though. She is the man. Yeah. And then when someone asks, well, who's the man in the relationship? It's the She's man. the man. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Moving into Hedge and Randy Orton in a last man standing match. Edge versus Randy Orton in a first man crying match. <laughs> well, then Edge would have lost. No, it's not. It's like the last man standing wins, the first man crying wins. Oh, okay. And that's Edge. Because <laughs> I don't think Randy Orton is capable of expressing emotions. <laughs> other than, like, seething anger and... Callous disregard. <laughs> but, like, also, uh, like, I want to date your husband. <laughs> that's what it's... That's... Yeah, no, if you come into it with no previous knowledge and you see the video package they showed where he says he loves Hedge more than Beth Phoenix does. Right, like, Beth, I love your kids and your husband more than you do. I should be the one who's married to him is what I read into that. I'm sorry, but if you're gonna make it that gay, be fucking brave and make it gay. <laughs> The match was kind of gay too. The match was very gay. I've the amount of like heavy breathing and grunts and literally no commentary because like the commentary team took a nap for half that match. And the rope play. And the rope play and the banana. And <laughs> Just a red fucking banana was there. And the snack table. Like you have a snack table like that for two reasons. One, because you finishing up hosting an orgy <laughs> to craft services for a porno pornos have craft services i've actually never looked into this yes they're like actual most of the ones that are like big budget are like studio produced and stuff like that huh today i learned i mean like they i don't know if there's a union involved but like we're gonna look this up later aren't we we are <laughs> porn union <laughs> It'd be like a um like a union for like exotic dancers and adult film actors yeah. or something like that. I know, but it's more fun to say porn union. Fair. Uh, we got very distracted <laughs> uh, when we announced earlier that this was going to be a no audience show. Producer Aitsu responded. I mean. But how will I sidetrack? I mean, contribute to the end goal of the podcast. And we can tell them with absolute certainty that we get distracted enough on our own. <laughs> it's true. It really is. We go in some weird directions. We really do. You know, but like, there was a lot that happened in this match. It went all over the performance center. And like, even from the beginning, it wasn't very, it wasn't a usual match. No. Because you had Edge come out like normal. Then Orton's music hits, and he's not there. Mm -hmm. But he's pulling a Moxley and working the camera. And then comes in and hits an RKO out of nowhere. Yep, right? Before the match begins, the ref is asking Edge if he's okay to continue. Right, because Edge has to stand up to his feet before the match can start. Yep. But like basically, they have a whole long brawl through the entire building. There's a dusty hallway where you see like huge flakes of dust flying off because they're like actually kicking up some dust in places that nobody goes ever oh the cane hallway with all the red lights yes the cane hallway um <laughs> they end up on top of a fucking semi yeah they make their way through the prop department and end up on one of the uh the semis that takes all the stuff to and from shows which is where we saw the snack table our one of our other favorite indie wrestlers rj city tweeted I haven't seen that many snacks on a craft services table at all of the indie shows I've ever been to combined. <laughs> and Dan has said there's so many snacks on that snack table. <laughs> I fucking love both of them. 
there was that oh oh in that like one conference room for some reason there was like koopa chain wall like in mario 3 <laughs> yep over and top edge, of the table edge drops an elbow on door and off of that koopa chain wall also the table had a grommeted edge yeah yeah there's like stuff like it was an evil boardroom <laughs> it's the wwe aaron they spent extra to make it look evil yeah <laughs> I, I honestly believe that no like um but like it was a very it was all over the place and it delivered on the emotional promise that it needed to yeah edge especially put his new acting skills into work here i think the thing that like with this match is that everyone expected a lot from it mm -hmm. so by delivering but not going above expectation because it's hard to go above expectation when people are already expecting a lot yeah it just like it didn't feel as exciting despite the fact that it lived uh, it lived up to very high expectations but people want stuff at mania to exceed expectations that's kind of my vibe on it and of course like you said it it did kind of seem to just go on like it's a yeah. 36 37 minute match. Like that that is among the longest matches in WrestleMania history. Yeah, it was it was long. Yeah. I enjoyed all 36 minutes of it myself. I didn't feel too dragged down by it, but that's a complaint I've heard elsewhere today. No, and like I I also enjoyed the match. Mhm. Mm it just you know, like I said, it lived up to expectations without exceeding it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so moving on. Um, SmackDown Women's Championship? Yeah, SmackDown five-way elimination match for the Women's Championship. Real quick, though, I will say that Bianca Belair making a potential move to main roster is a very good call. Yeah, that that's actually pretty cool. That's That's the extent of what I needed to say about that match. Okay, so... The fatal five way with Bailey, Lacey Evans, Naomi, Sasha Banks, and Tamina. I'd like to note that in a fatal five way, the fact that there was only one white woman in the WWE is actually pretty astounding. It's a shame that it had to be Little Miss Maga. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to call her that, but yep. <laughs> Aaron, you know that I've got nicknames for, like, everyone. I know you do. And, like, is it an incorrect nickname? Probably not. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't want to guess at that. I'm just gonna assume. I, we could probably find evidence on Twitter or something. But, yeah, no, like, th that match, that was another one that delivered on storytelling in a way that I found very satisfying. Yeah, really playing up the friendship of Bailey and Sasha Banks mm -hmm. and how they're both competing here for the title. How maybe there's been some friction before. Maybe there's some friction during the match. Mm hmm Like, uh, you know, as as Sasha's getting pinned, Bailey just sits back and does nothing. Or when Bailey misses Evans and ends up kneeing Sasha in the face. Knee to face. Yep. No, it was it was it was enjoyable. I'm glad that since her return, they have stopped making Naomi straighten her hair. Because <laughs> yep. it looks so much better. Yeah, honestly, and her whole outfit for this show looked amazing. Oh my god, Naomi's outfits never look bad, but this was like just. I mean, like it's WrestleMania, so you want the ring attire to be next level, and this hit on that. Yep. Really, really well. I adored that. So yeah, no, it was it was really good. Like, I mean, like it it suffered a little bit from its card placement, if I'm being honest. By being so late in the show, or by I mean, like I guess it didn't directly follow Edge versus Orton, but like emotionally it kind of followed edge versus orton yeah you know they still got a good chunk of time in there though to, to do right, all their right. stuff right that's so. the thing like giving them a good chunk of time it like I, th it didn't suffer like time wise it just suffered like from that like you know you've all you've been all 
catharsis out. Yeah. You've catharted your last Cthoon. I don't know. I'm just making words up now. Yes, you are. Uh, so yeah, it kind of went in the order that you thought it would. Where Tamina gets ganged up on very early on, is eliminated first. Naomi gets eliminated after that. After the confusion with the need of Sasha's head, she gets eliminated by Lacey Evans. And then Sasha actually comes back at the end to distract Lacey Evans long enough to let Bailey get the win here. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I think is for sure a good way to have had that play out if yeah. they want to keep the belt on heel Bailey, even though it's heel Bailey. <laughs> we want friend Bailey back. Friend Bailey was good. I mean, like, I also like heel Bailey. But I like, know, I know. Bailey's just always good. The poor Bailey buddies. She murdered the Bailey buddies. <laughs> yes, she did. That's how you know she's a heel. So, yeah, that was WrestleMania. Yeah, it, it was a pretty good two nights. You know, I think we've... Wait, no, we had one more match on the card. Oh, yeah. Brock Lesnar versus Drew McIntyre. It, it's like when you used to play the old SmackDown games. And, <laughs> and you both load up with whoever. And it's like, okay, we're going to give ourselves five finishers right off the bat and just see what happens. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how it played out. <laughs> yeah, no, it it played out very similar to um the other championship match from the night before yep a lot of finishers very quick match this one was under five minutes mm -hmm. the previous one i think was three or four minutes but you know what i will say that i am glad the two top titles in the company are back on full-time wrestlers yes yeah because I, I get the mystique of having it having them on part-timers who only come in once in a while and dominate whatever is happening but they need exposure they need to be seen right right and i, I honestly hope they do that more now oh no same and i i just want to like highlight one of my favorite moments was paul Heyman chefing at brock lesnar he can't keep kicking out <laughs> <laughs> yeah he can <laughs> F5, kick out a one. F5, kick out a two. Germans, <laughs> kick out a two. I think the match kind of lacked that triumphant moment in front of, you know, tens of thousands of fans like it would have had otherwise. Oh, honestly, yeah. Like, if if it was done like a normal WrestleMania with McIntyre kicking out at one after an F5. The crowd pop would have been huge. It, it would have been an earthquake. Mm -hmm. uh so yeah i guess that 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 does hit every match on the card now that we've gone through it all at least the ones that we enjoyed yeah no for sure there were some very good matches they were all very enjoyable yeah i definitely enjoyed the two nights of this yeah two nights was... i kind of hope they keep the idea going for next year because i don't want them to come back and do a 10-hour show because i won't watch it <laughs> no like spreading it over two nights gives it a lot more time to breathe it also psst, vince it also gives you an opportunity to make a shitload more money off of ticket <laughs> sales because you're selling for two days instead of one mm-hmm all right i think uh we sign off here yeah so as we always say on this podcast be gay Mwah. do crimes bye Wait, 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 wait. Hold up. Okay, what's what's wrong, Kat? We forgot the two fucking best matches of WrestleMania. Oh, no. How did we do that? On purpose for the bit. <laughs> Which one do you want to start with? Okay. So, uh, let's let's start with the with the Boneyard match. Oh my goodness. So I, the opening to this match, it was all it took to immediately sell me on this. This is the only part of it I would have appreciated a live crowd for. Yes, because we have the elaborate hearse entrance at a cemetery 
which like you know okay it's gonna be the dead man and then who who should pop out of the coffin but aj styles laughing and cackling and having a grand old time which was amazing just just the the jeering that would have got with a crowd is amazing right because like undertaker is so massively popular and then having aj styles do an undertaker entrance that said i don't know that this match or like that the other cinematic match would have worked if they piped in crowd sound no definitely not they would have had to be silent or at least cut that part out right like cut the crowd sound for these matches because like y- you don't have crowd sound with these kinds of cinematic matches yeah and really what this was this was like a whole redemption story in two acts and 20 mm-hmm. minutes and like i i've taken to calling this one the final undertaking <laughs> not a bad name for it because it it was very very final deletion style yes I actually went back afterwards mm-hmm. and watched the final deletion again. Oh my god, I love the final deletion so much. And it's like, yeah, no, I see all of the inspiration that they took from that to make this, and I'm thankful they did. <laughs> yeah, no, and like, for sure, they still made it their own. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, you know, it wasn't anything like a shot-for-shot remake or anything like that, but like... This match definitely owes a lot to Matt Hardy's vision in producing cinematic matches like that. Yep. And it is, it's been made abundantly clear that the fans recognize that and have expressed as much to Matt. Yeah, apparently his feed was blowing up during this whole thing. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm in favor. Yeah. I'm in favor of more cinematic matches in general. Because, like, they do something that other kinds of, like, you know, like, the, I mean, like, the live matches are wonderful and an essential part of wrestling. You know who could put on a really fucking good cinematic match? Darby Allen. Yep. Like, there's a lot of talent that could do well given this sort of space. And the, the twists and turns in this match oh, are yeah. so wonderful. Because, like, we, we started off, Undertaker shows up to the cemetery gets off his bike like he's got full american badass gimmick going on here oh yeah here's biker taker again yep uh, that's okay it kind of works here it it worked here yeah so he gets out and starts beating down aj he beats down gallows he beats down anderson a group of druids come out of like the barn house that is set up there he beats them away and then styles ends up getting the uh, upper hand on him yep beats him into where like the big buried alive grave is because mm-hmm. this is essentially a buried alive match and i'm glad they didn't actually do an actual one because it wouldn't be anywhere near as good <laughs> yeah no no it was and like you know ages like cackling and like haha i beat the undertaker so much for you know undertaker can't win at wrestlemania anymore blah 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 and then the lights light up behind him as he's on the tractor getting ready to fill in the grave. And the dead man is right behind him. Because in this universe, the Undertaker actually is able to teleport. Unlike Matt Hardy, who just uses uh, fucking holograms. You know, we, we all get around our own ways. <laughs> yeah, and like, AJ does a little like sniveling and like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, please don't bury me oh that that's that's after his whole beating though because they go back up to the barn house yep yep no they go back up to the barn house um the undertaker kills anderson and gallows like just straight up yeah gallows is thrown off the rooftop anderson is tombstoned onto it he choke slams aj off of it <laughs> through a fence and like it is just really good uh like you know AJ starts to like hug the Undertaker, like, you know, please don't bury me, please don't bury me. <laughs> and it's like, you know, son, I won't, because you have a lot of fight and you put up some really good fight. So call it a, you know, call it a good match. And then he fucking Sparta kicks him into the grave and fills, <laughs> <laughs> yep, fills the, fills it with the tractor, winning, winning the match, I guess. Yeah, because buried alive matches. 
But yeah, we get the shot at the end there of AJ's hand coming out of the dirt. Mm-hmm. So like he's not quite dead, but you know, he kind of probably wishes he was at this point. And Undertaker rides off into the moonlight with the Metallica in the background. So, uh, real quick question about this match. Mm-hmm. Do you think AJ Styles knew that the bandana in his back pocket signaled that he's into fisting? I don't. But I kind of want to believe that it would, because that'd be hilarious. Because I'm pretty sure that's what a red bandana in your back pocket means. <laughs> I don't know. It's been a long time since I looked at the code. <laughs> <laughs> so AJ Styles, my DMs are open. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Things I didn't know about my girlfriend. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I would not fist AJ Styles. God no. Okay, good to know. That man is far too straight for me. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Okay, so the next cinematic match, and possibly the greatest, I, I would consider it the smarkiest match that the WWE has ever put on. Yeah, if you've been following wrestling for the past 30 years, this match really rewarded you. Mm-hmm. So we had the Firefly Funhouse match. Directed by David Lynch. Yeah, I might... I might just go over the references real quick that happened. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> and then I'll get you to explain uh, the David Lynchness of it. Because I think okay. you, you'll do that really well. I will. So yeah, the Firefly Funhouse match starts with Cena coming out to the ring. Then we get like an episode of the Firefly Funhouse. Bray seems to leave to go out for the match. But then John Cena's in the Firefly Funhouse. Goes through the door that Bray did before. And walks out into Kurt Angle's promo from Friday Night SmackDown, where John Cena made his first appearance on the roster. Where he comes out, there's the big SmackDown fist laid out there, he comes out by that, and he's got like his old prototype gear, because that was like his developmental character, very robotic and kind of stuff. The, the, the one that looked like it was like Master Roshi gee colors yes <laughs> so it comes down and bray does angles like a pitch perfect kurt angle oh yeah it, it was just it was beautifully done and so it was like what, what are you bringing out to, to for all this ruthless aggression swing and a miss and he just keeps doing that like he's doing the prototype gimmick kind of thing so he's very robotic in how he's doing it and not mm -hmm. getting how it's not working and Bray just cuts him down verbally on it. <laughs> it's like, it's amazing you weren't actually fired for this. Yeah. No, and like, it goes through a lot of parallels between Cena and Hogan as well. Uh, yeah. Because at one point they have the, um, uh, like the Nitro logo and Cena's got the NWO shirt on and like. Yeah, re referencing how. A lot of fans about 10 years ago were very unhappy with the way Cena's character was going. Because mm -hmm. that's when, around the time when he ran through Nexus, he crashed any offense put against him. Mm -hmm. It was the time where most people weren't happy to see him. And there was a lot of uproar that he should go heel. Because back in the 90s, that's what Hogan did. Mm -hmm. He start, They start up the New World Order, Hogan went heel, and it kind of did rejuvenate his career for a bit. So it's it's kind of like that marking on scene is like, you probably should have done this. You know? Right. So like the way that it was described was a, a supernatural exploration of all of John Cena's anxieties and his history as a performer. Yes. Um, and like Firefly Funhouse, from what I understand, feels like a mix of Pee-wee's Playhouse, which is the thing that it's very clearly referencing, mm -hmm. and, like, the Black Lodge scenes in Twin Peaks. Um, speaking of which, we do need to actually get back to watching Twin Peaks, Aaron. I know we do. <laughs> um, and this felt like a very, like, inspired by David Lynch sort of psychosomatic journey that John Cena had to go on. 
exploring everything that made him who he is today and like all of the things that he has ever been embarrassed about or ever regretted as a performer and everything like that and it just felt very like i mean it it really felt like it pulled so much from like what makes it, i don't know i'm trying to figure out the right words but like it goes out of its way to acknowledge the complaints people have about cena and frankly the wwe in general yeah and like it was a very meta analysis very meta and like you know watching cena basically be dale cooper through this whole segment was really interesting it was very like you know twin peaks the return in a lot of ways i found it so so enjoyable because twin peaks is like my favorite show of all time so like and it just like it did something so very unique and so very artistic in a way that like i don't know that the wwe has ever put out something that is that much like cinematography like cinema style art and like very very arty <laughs> as well yes. no very like I, I would hesitate to call it avant-garde because it's not because it's doing something that's already been trodden mm -hmm. but it pulls a lot from like art film and like you know those like niche genres in a way that like the team that wrote that did an incredible job and more to the point the guys who sold that to vince yep like i assume you know it like it, i mean just playing through that that like elevates my level of respect for cena as a performer a lot yeah because at any point you know cena has such a status in the company if he said no then the whole thing just wouldn't happen mm -hmm. so he had to go along with every step of this and going over the breakdown and comparisons of his own career the shortcomings and the anxieties and just everything like that to allow that much of a look at himself is I, I can imagine it'd be kind of awkward at times. Especially filming it. But like, you know, I think I think ultimately I think the only person who could have ever sold that match to Vince was Cena. Of course, yeah. No one else like I I don't care how much Triple H couldn't have sold that match to Vince. But John Cena could. Yeah. And we are so very lucky that we got to experience that. I absolutely adored that whole segment like i'm going to go back and watch it again mm -hmm. because it was it was something and it was something real special i mean even the saturday night main event segment was like with the mega powers yeah and then pulling like pulling out references to classic 80s wrestling promos yeah and not only that like with cena coming on pumping barbells you know a kind of a shot at vince's preference especially back then for the very heavy bodybuilder looks mm -hmm. that you need to have to uh to get anywhere yeah and like that mentioning cream of the crop like that that world famous macho man randy savage promo where he keep pulling creamers out of nowhere throwing yep. them at mean gene yeah i'm pretty sure in that one scene was playing macho man i think bray white was playing hogan I have to go back and find that exact promo to be sure, mm -hmm. but I think I know which one it is. <laughs> okay, we should we should definitely go back and watch that. But yeah, no, fucking top tier. Like, there's like WrestleMania matches that are all time classic WrestleMania matches. This is just an all time classic match. Yeah, it defies star rating. It defies. It took a lot for like them to balance the wackiness. Uh, it, it, like I said, it was Pee-wee's Playhouse meets Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of wackiness to it, you know? I mean, like, they even brought out, like, original Bray, original model Bray Wyatt. <laughs> with his <laughs> dumb trilby. Yeah, when they went over the WrestleMania 30 part where Cena went over Wyatt in what a lot of people consider, like, the start of the downfall of Bray as a performer. Mm -hmm. where just 
everything was taken out from underneath him and he couldn't get any momentum after that. Right, until he comes out with Firefly Funhouse and The Fiend and now actually has momentum because he fucking forced his way into having momentum. Yep. Just don't put the belt back on him. The Fiend doesn't need a title. No, The Fiend doesn't need a title. The Fiend needs story. So, yeah. I don't think I've ever marked out so hard as during that Firefly Funhouse match. Yep. Like we were all we so we were on a four person Zoom call watching it. And we all muted and just experienced it. And like I don't know if you saw much of my video feed during that time, but I was like clapping and dancing. Like it was just so fucking excited. That was perfection in wrestling form, if you could even call that wrestling. Yeah, no, it was a it was a match. It had a start, a middle, and a finish when when the fiend got the mandible claw in, and the pin was counted by Bray, mm-hmm. it it was a wrestling match. It just happened to be a cinematic experience wrestling match. Fair. And then didn't Cena vanish after getting pinned? Yeah, kind kind of like another anxiety of like his retirement and just disappearing from from view of the world. A plus. Easily. Now I would like to say something here, that if anyone listening truly did enjoy the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse and are looking up for other things to watch along this line, I can definitely recommend the Final Deletion. Kind of the original modern cinematic wrestling story. Mm -hmm. Uh, WWE did one later on called the Ultimate Deletion, which you can watch it for completionist's sake. For deletionist's sake. (laughs) Fair. Um... There is a movie called Monster Brawl. It stars RJ City and Rosemary in it. Is that the one where RJ City is the fucking werewolf? Yes. Oh, nice. We should watch that. I've got to make you watch that still. Yeah, you do. But yeah, it is, it's a whole pay-per-view show of monsters wrestling in this style. Complete with like promo packages and everything. Mm-hmm. Lucha Underground. This was kind of like... In the entirety of their show's gimmick is they did this more full presentation of it. Mm-hmm. And well, if you want to go back even further, you can go back to Halftime Heat with The Rock and Mankind fighting in an empty arena. It was show- played during a Super Bowl halftime. And I think that's all I can remember off the top of my head. I know there's definitely more out there. If anyone knows them, I'd love to hear about them. But in the meantime, uh, this time without me doing a bit, where we prematurely end the podcast <laughs> and then talk about the match that the two matches that like were our absolute favorites of the night. Uh, we've been going for what, like an hour and a half? Yep. All right. That's that's good enough for me. That's a good time. So, as I said before, be gay. Mwah. Do crimes. Bye. Marking Out With My Girlfriend is a production of Sosa's Media. Check us out at sosces.ca. Music has been provided by Sounds Like an Earful. Alright, I am seeing movement on Zencaster, and because we're not on Twitch, I can really just, like, eat this fucking microphone like it's a pussy.